0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast, hosted by 16-year-old Anna Lively. I hope you're ready for this episode because it is going to be amazing. I was able to sit down and talk with soccer legend Julie Fowdy. I first met Julie in 2019 at a United States women's national team soccer game in Chicago when I was reporting... This was my first time covering a soccer event, and she was so sweet and helped me along the way learning the ropes. Julie is a two time Women's World Cup champion, a three time Olympic medalist. She was the first female to win the FIFA Fair Play Award. Her sports accolades are endless. Today, we will be talking about her soccer career, both on and off the field, and how she is helping the next generation of females in sports. Get a cup of tea or coffee and enjoy the episode. Hello, Julie. It's so good to talk with you again since last time we talked in October of 2019.
1: Oh, I know. It's been a long time. Yeah. The world has changed. (laughs) Yes. Now we have to do it over Zoom calls
0: and with masks if we're covering any events <laughs>
1: right good to see you i'm so it's proud a... of you starting this podcast
0: oh yes, thank yes. you well i have enjoyed oh. listening to your podcast you're doing a great job on your podcast there well thank
1: you try to pretend like you know what we're doing
0: <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're having fun that's all that matters
1: that, that's our big thing yeah that's that's what you have to keep in perspective it's less an interview it's more just having fun having mm-hmm. a conversation i do like the pre covid times when we <laughs> did our interviews because we had donuts usually oh our interviews our conversations so i miss my my like weekly consumption of donuts
0: you don't ever get some at duncan and bring it and eat them during the interview oh, i do i do oh that's good I,
1: i get people sending me a lot of donuts <laughs> i i i am not short on donuts that's for sure
0: hey that's good you always can eat them if you need a snack at home
1: and you know what you don't have discovered they're really good for the soul
0: mm. <laughs> i mean i can't not agree because i like donuts too so that a girl <laughs> i knew you were different <laughs> All right, so first off, we're going to go a little bit back in time with some of these questions here. But so, you're going to be testing my memory? uh, Yes. (laughs) You're going to do great. You're good. Okay. Okay. As a young girl, what was your favorite soccer position and why? Oh,
1: as a young girl, my favorite soccer position, uh, probably where I spent most of my career. Uh, center mid, center midfield, because I, I always wanted the ball, <laughs> ball hog, and um, and I wasn't a tremendous scorer, so I would occasionally go on the front line, but I didn't have a ton of production. So I just wanted to be involved, kind of like softball. I wanted to be the catcher, I wanted the ball, you know. Like and I think that's in the end why I got a little bored with softball. I was like, it's still not enough. <laughs> So, I like midfield because I can get involved on, in everything.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Busy body.
0: That's fun. Hey, you got to keep involved. Just tell them what to do. Right. I like to boss people around, too. <laughs> so can do that My brother does that, too, when he's playing. Playing right? <laughs> mean, natural. Okay. So, did you ever play against boys or with boys when you were growing up?
1: You know, um... I did, in terms of non-structured play, like mm-hmm. pickup games and practices, and uh, I would play with boys a lot when I was training or trying to find some training um, outside of my club team with the national team. Um, but in Southern California, where I grew up, there were already a lot of really good girls teams. Whereas in other states. Like Mia Hamm, for example, mm-hmm. who on the national team grew up playing with boys. Christine Lilly in Connecticut, she grew up playing with boys. I mean, nowadays you don't see that as often because right. there's so much, you know, grassroots structure to the to the girl side. That's so good. But, um, you know, when soccer was just forming in the, you know, the 80s uh, back then, you know, you had sometimes some situations where the only team you could play on was a boys' team. So a lot of these national teamers didn't do that. But I was really... Lucky and that I had a lot of really good girls teams around
0: me. So um I've also clicked girls. That's good. Didn't have to deal with the, the crazy boys there. <laughs> crazy boys. They're, they did. They are crazy. Anna
1: Sw- Swaggy wants
0: to say hi. Swaggy. Hi. hi. Oh, he's hi. so cute. Your dog hi. is so cute.
1: Swaggy, come here. Say hi to Anna.
0: We don't have any dogs or cats because my mom and sister are both allergic.
1: So um,
0: that's so, why these doodles are
1: pretty good because they're hypo. I'll talk to your mom
0: about them. Hi, Swaggy. Hi, Swaggy. real quick? Oh, there you go. Aww. Yeah, hi. So oh. cute. She just woke up. She's lying on Aww. Bed. She's so cute. How old is she? Okay. She's
1: three and a half. Okay. She's a good girl. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. No,
0: you're fine. Don't <laughs> say sorry. Okay, so as a collegiate athlete, you are a four-time NSCAA All-American at Stanford. What was it like being the team's MVP three years and being named the 1991 Soccer America Player of the Year? Mm. Um, well, I, you know, honestly...
1: The thing that I remember most about Stanford is that, and this is really true with most of my teams i played on, I, I'm, I consider myself really lucky. <laughs> Very first club soccer team as a young kid was the Soccerettes, Go Great Machine. Uh, and still to this day, friends with many of those teammates. My college teammates uh, at Stanford were and still are some of my best friends.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Especially during COVID, we have this huge um, Stanford Zoom call that happens with uh, soccer players at least once a month.
0: Sometimes mm-hmm. twice a
1: month, we have happy hours together. And so,
0: do you eat uh, donuts on those Zoom calls?
1: <laughs> sometimes, actually. Good. Sometimes <laughs> really uh, but we um, we always, you know, we re- I came in with ten freshmen. Uh, as as my Stanford freshman class, and we're all super tight still, and we all do things together still. Our kids have kind of been raised together, so that's kind of the gift, you know, of Stanford and of honestly of sports for me is that I've been given these incredible, incredible friends and women that I've been able to look to and learn from and grow with, and you go through life with and. Um, and that's the thing I you know, I don't think about all that other stuff at Stanford. I mean we were a young program, so I'm I'm super pleased that mm-hmm. there's those accolades that go with it, but it was really about growing that program and, and now you can see, you know, it's this you know constant national contender uh, in terms of NCAA soccer titles.
0: That's so cool that you have all those friendships from so many years back still now.
1: And then the Stanford, I mean, just Stanford in itself, that that runs deep. You mm-hmm. I know you interviewed Jessica Mendoza recently, you said for the podcast. I mean, she's a Stanford grad. Yes. he is colleague. You know, and immediately it's the Stanford connection. So when we met years, years back when I was covering her with softball, you know, we've remained dear friends ever since. So it is it's a it's a large family that you you get to, to jump into.
0: So you first met her when you were covering a game. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so I used to, I mean, I still cover the Olympics, but I think probably, or maybe she was playing, was I still playing?
0: Um, she played in the 2004 Athens Olympic Summer okay, Games. Okay, so we
1: played in that Olympics together, so I probably met her in Athens, but then I started covering the Olympics soon after I retired, after 2004, so, um, and Jess is just, she's a beauty, I love her, yeah. so...
0: Yeah, you guys are, like, so similar. I enjoy talking to you both so much. It's just fun Uh to learn from you both. So going back to Stanford, throughout your time as a Stanford Cardinal, would you ever have imagined being named as part of the Soccer America's 1990 College Team of the Decade? Was
1: I? Yes. Yes decades where are you finding this stuff um
0: well i did research i want to do my research you're like the top of the top so i don't want to i
1: mean i'm a massive deal come on i'm gonna tell my kids you didn't know that i don't i don't think i knew that congratulations oh thank you i thought where you were going with that was that (laughs) what did it feel like to have The worst bedhead headshot ever taken. I
0: didn't know
1: that. I mean, literally, my like Stanford Hall of Fame headshot they put up. It probably
0: wasn't that bad.
1: Oh, I'm gonna find a picture for you. I like, I like, woke up for two photos that day. I had short hair back then, really short hair that just stood straight up, and it was like, it was like this. Imagine in a short version. Like that was my picture, and they use that for the whole fame <laughs>
0: wall. I was like, really? So oh. not found a better picture than that <laughs> That is that's awesome. So now, congratulations that I was able to tell you that you made this awesome accomplishment. Now that you know, how does it feel? <laughs> uh
1: incredible. I mean, it's it's a nice honor for sure, but <laughs> Again, I go back to like, I'm not big on accolades and all. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't win tons, obviously, with the national team outside of like, you know, us standing on top of podiums. There were a lot of individual accolades. So it's great. But really, the thing that I've always cherished is um, one, standing on top of podiums is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, as I said, just, you know, having these groups of, of Awesome women and the sisterhood in my life forever.
0: That's awesome. So, for you, what was your goal when you were on the Olympic team for so many years, both on and off the field? I think, honestly,
1: I mean, winning was always a goal.
0: I mm-hmm. mean,
1: clearly we were competitive, we were driven, we were ambitious. Right. Um, but, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but I think um, what I always loved about the national team group um, is that we were the, you know, I have this conversation a lot with Billie Jean King back in the day, who's you know, tennis, you know, you know, legend, mm-hmm. activist, advocate. I mean, she's she's my hero. But the thing about being the first generation to a sport, I mean, we really were the first players to kind of make a mark and um and so with that comes great responsibility to leave the game in a better place and to grow the game and to market the game and all these things Mm -hmm. and so i think that's where um we were also very focused is how do we make sure that we're winning but Winning alone isn't enough. It's winning and growing the game, and building the game, and right. inspiring young girls and boys to one day you know, play the sport or play sports in general. So it was that messaging and mission that was so much a focus for us Is what I love about those times.
0: Yeah, that's awesome how you guys were like the trailblazers for the soccer world female for the Olympics just, one.
1: As we call ourselves now, the old bags.
0: <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> but no, there's there is something special to being the first, and I, mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot about that. It's like you know, you you struggle through it because you're not getting paid, you're not, you know, you're right. not making the same that the current athletes are, are are making now. But you also look back and go, "Dang, we changed quite a bit, though, mm-hmm. and we fought for stuff and we fought for change and we left the game in a better place." And obviously. Uh, had great success along the way as well, which is really what you want to. Yeah, and it
0: wouldn't be the way it is now without you guys paving the way for it earlier on.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think we we did, um, and I take a ton of pride in what we did as a group to, you know, to kind of rattle the cage as we do, and yes. they're still rattling, which makes me proud. I wish they didn't have to rattle so much. Mm-hmm. That means that we're in a better place, but they're doing great things with this current
0: team as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So going back to the National Soccer Hall of Fame, in 2007, you were selected into the Hall of Fame as the only female induction class along with Mia Hamm. So first off, congratulations. But what was it like being selected with Mia Hamm so early? Yeah, that
1: was the coolest part. I mean, of course, amazing. I, I don't know how many women... I think we were only like the sixth and seventh woman mm-hmm. ever to get in. And as wow. you said, it's a female induction class. And it's hard to get into the national hall of fame. It still is. Right. right? It, it's a, um, it's a tight voting thing. And it's a lot of men that vote. So you get very few women that's trying to, that, that we're working on changing actually at the moment. Um, but to go in, to something that you know hadn't been a spot where many women had gotten into, and then to go in with you know one of my dear friends and teammates, mm-hmm. longtime teammates, was amazing. Because Mia, I mean, Mia is God. I just I think about her and I get choked up thinking about her and what she's done for the game because she is so selfless in terms of just always wanting what's good for the team and what's good for the collective, and yet she's the superstar that was garnering all this attention, but it was never about her. She didn't ever want it to be about her. She was always like, how can I be a better teammate? And that's how she thought. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, imagine you get to grow up alongside your superstar that (laughs) is, that's her priority. It was never like, she never wanted the spotlight. And that was genuine. It wasn't like, oh, this fake,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. oh, don't,
1: Don't talk to me, and then want all the attention. It was no, I am uncomfortable with that. It was really hard for her because she wasn't comfortable in the spotlight, and yet she did it so gracefully. So um, to be into the Hall of Fame with Mia was really special.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that must have been so fun to grow as a soccer player together, but also to have these special memories along the way together.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we started playing on the national team was 15, I was 16.
0: I mean, wow, you guys 15. were my age. Oh my goodness, on the yeah, national 15. team? Oh, oh goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, back then, they really didn't have many youth national teams. So it was kind of oh, like, okay. oh, who are these young kids we just saw? And they're going to pluck them up. Then, <laughs> nowadays, you go through kind of the under-17s, and the under-19s, and then U-20s. And so. But back then, they just threw us onto the full team.
0: Hey, you got right into it.
1: Yeah, and we survived.
0: We <laughs> well, for, yeah, didn't still standing. <laughs> it didn't
1: us off in the end. We were having too
0: much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you actually published your own book in 2017. When you were writing this book, what was the message that you wanted to portray throughout it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Have you written the book, Anna? I
0: haven't. I didn't know about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yes, until I heard right. about it when I was listening to when you were on with AJ and then I was uh, like wait how did I not know that she wrote a book uh, I'm like now I've got to read it
1: oh good have you read it yet
0: no because I just looked it up today oh
1: because you just were talking about AJ Yeah. oh you were listening to AJ oh I know AJ has a podcast too. when you
0: were on it that's how I heard about it when you were on yeah. it with her
1: yeah um I wrote a book on leadership, which is uh, for girls, for young girls, because I've been doing this sports leadership academy for mm-hmm. gosh, 15 years, ever since I retired wow. from soccer. And um, and so the book is on that mostly, but it's definitely not like here are the 10 virtues of leadership. <laughs> and it's not formal. It's it's I sat down with all these amazing women. We kick our shoes off and would just be in our socks. We call them sock talks.
0: Kind of like Oh, talk. that's fun.
1: Yeah, we call them sock talks instead of chalk talks like you do know, um, And we would right. just talk about type and leadership and lessons they've learned. And so I weaved all their interviews into what we give as our curriculum, our leadership kind of philosophy for our camps. We have this curriculum we use, mm-hmm. which are power empowering, which means empowering. Get it? Get it? Oh,
0: yeah, that's good. I like that.
1: Thank you, thank you. Um, and so we, um, uh, so we, so I wrote this book, um, with the help, not mm-hmm. well with the support. I wrote it all. I didn't have a ghost writer, which is hard. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 it's gotta be my voice. It's gotta be me. And then about of the way through, I was like, I need some help. Um, with ESPNW and Disney.
0: Disney oh, Disney, awesome. Disney,
1: yeah the company that owns DSPN. and so we took it to disney and i felt like they needed a lot more books that spoke to Mm -hmm. teens and young women about being a you know leader that wasn't all sparkly and princessy and Mm -hmm. and glittery and so they were like yes so anyway after hyperventilating in a bag while writing it for many months because it was really hard and they needed it on deadlines um it was a super fun experience
0: i'm looking forward to reading that
1: Thank you. I think you'll like it. Oh, I like like that. Exercises to do. So it's
0: super fun. That sounds awesome. Okay, back to now broadcasting. What first you got got you interested in sports broadcasting for ESPN?
1: Mm, You know, I had been doing a ton of interviews with the national I'd always wanted to be a broadcaster growing up.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. When I was little little. And then I thought, well, women don't really do this. This is kind of a male thing. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, well, it's probably more realistic to be a doctor or something like that. So I was actually going to go to med school.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Thankfully, um, decided that's probably not the best path for me. And uh, as I was doing interviews with the national team, TV people would say, you're really good on camera. and very natural. And you thought about commentating. And so um, it just kind of fell into my lap. Through, you know the national team exposure and then uh, I started doing it before I'd even retired oh okay. yeah and um and I still do it today I mean I obviously don't just do soccer but soccer is the main thing but mm-hmm. I like to do other things as well Olympics and I do little league world series and I do a lot of reporting and features and now the podcast with a bunch of different athletes so I like
0: to obviously move beyond soccer. So, you, were you at the Little League World Series in 2019? I thought you were. Okay, I was there too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, sure. I was there for like the MLB Little League Classic and then the championship game. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't remember if you were there or not. I hadn't met you. I talked to. That's when I talked to Jessica. That's oh, when okay. I first met her there. I talked oh, to her. Really? and Alex Rodriguez before the MLB Little League Classic to do an SI Kids piece of a combo of them. But I didn't know if you were there, and I was like, wait, I thought you may have done the Little League World Series now that I was thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I love Little League World Series. But I'm a reporter that roams around and talks to all the parents and the kids, and it's super fun. It's one of my favorite events to cover.
0: Yeah, that was really fun. That was the first time I've been there, even though I live in Pennsylvania. But yeah, that's
1: right. You're close.
0: Yeah, I'm only like two hours from Williamsport here because we're up in the mountain area. But that's also where I met um, the MLB commissioner there, who I've been able to connect with over the past year or so there, too. So lots of people there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: everyone does it. Everyone's at
0: Little League World Series. Yes. Hey, hopefully they have it this year. I know that it was canceled oh, last know. year. I know. I'm hopeful. Me too. Okay, I'm so I'm excited to start learning about this. So, why did you start the Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy, and how have you seen it grow over the past few years?
1: Um, we started it as this idea of, gosh, sports are this gift, and. Mm-hmm doesn't do these girls we do only camps for girls these girls uh, um a complete service if we're only talking about how to kick a ball or how to Mm -hmm. you know throw a ball because we do more than just soccer um but that we should be teaching them about all the great life lessons you learn by playing. and you don't have to play at the highest level you don't need an olympic medal to learn these things you just need to play on a team right and um and we should be talking about how to be a leader and how to get back into your communities and plant these seeds that I had learned along the way, but it took right. me a while to learn them. And I was like, well, we should be planting these earlier, right? We can be making uh, confident leaders and unleashing these confident leaders in these, young, in these young women. And so, me and uh, my husband and a, a gal that I had grown up playing with on the soccer heads, Carrie Kennedy, Carrie McClellan, her right. husband and a friend of theirs on the East Coast, the five of us founded it 15 years ago. And wow, so we that's awesome. Camps. And I mean, now, you know, 15 years later, and you know, tons, I mean, thousands and thousands of girls later in terms of kids that have come through our camp.
0: That's amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, we're still doing them, and they're super fun. But we've added, so we started with soccer, we mm-hmm. added lacrosse, we've added basketball, and we've added water polo. Uh cool them just in two locations for two weeks during the summer because my summers aren't and that's when i do all my tv stuff because world cups and olympics and euros and little league world series and everything happens for me in the summer so um but we've managed to keep them going and they're super fun and and super rewarding and you get to see these kids just transform in a week of a Mm -hmm. residential camp in terms of just their confidence and Willingness to take risks and try new things and all these things that are great for growth.
0: That's awesome. I hope you guys can have it this summer. Hope I yeah. We have done it last year. So, right. We're so
1: hopeful. We do one in Jersey and one in uh, California. So, I'm hopeful we can do it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, as a seasoned podcaster yourself with your Laughter Promethe podcast, everyone listen to that. That's awesome. Why did you get into podcasting?
1: Well, this is a pretty good story. My producer at ESPN, one of my producers, Lynn Olzawi, who's now my podcast co-host, she would say to me after we'd finish an interview, a sit-down interview for a feature we were doing, she would say, "Oh my gosh, I love when we turn the cameras off and you and the athlete would just sit there and jab, 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 jabber away about you know nonsense." you'd be laughing and you guys are having fun and there's this total connection and um, that's the stuff we should do for a podcast I was like whatever <laughs> really there. Um, and she kept she kept saying come on it'd be so fun it'd be we totally different format for you you would love it because you have the freedom to just talk instead of you know sit down the interviews for television or or a different breed because you have camera and lights and they're kind of formal and so getting someone to relax mm-hmm. can be hard right Cause right and they're always really short, so you only take sound bites. You can't ever get into long discussions. And so, um, we tested. We called uh, Mia Hamm and Kerry Walsh Jennings, two dear friends who live close to each other in Manhattan Beach, and we said, "Hey, can we separately record you guys on the same day, and we'll send these to ESPN as a test podcast?" So we sat down with them and did it. And right away, ESPN was like, "Yes, we love this. We need more of this." And that was our start and so mia and carrie were our two kind guinea pigs to agreed <laughs> to, to be our test and um and off we were you know two years ago so obviously there's more podcasts out there nowadays on women's sports but back then there wasn't a lot on just mm-hmm. female athletes and not just female athletes we interview a lot of you know just rad women in general not, not just athletes which is really our thing it's not x is no school about life and the craziness of life and enjoy it so i have really enjoyed it because it's it's just sitting down basically talking to friends and and you get you know we spent an hour and a half yesterday with abby lombok for a podcast that we recorded for this new season so oh that's awesome great insights you typically would get
0: yeah that sounds Exciting that you got into it. You were convinced to start this journey. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a fun one. You're going to like it. Because it's, it's it's super casual too, right? It's just, right. It's just you having a conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I personally really enjoy watching you report or broadcast on games. So what type of prep goes into every sporting event that you do?
1: It's a lot. A lot. I mean it depends on the event. women's soccer and women's US team stuff, you know, I'm pretty up to date on all mm-hmm. that stuff. But for for other things, it's you know, Little League World Series, it's thankfully we have a whole research team that gathers all this information. And so it's these packets of information that you're going through to find little nuggets on the right. players or story lines. and then a lot of prep happens. Uh, for little league world series on site. I literally just go into the stands before games, start talking to moms, I grab moms. Moms are always willing to talk about good stories and we find our storylines right there like an hour before the game and we cover some of those, but it's, it's the legwork. It's the prep, you know, for me, that has always been the key. I think, you know, you realize that quickly as an athlete, when you turn to television, like, Oh, okay. This is, this is not easy. This is real. And unless you do that prep, then for me, it's, it's kind of my safety net. Half of that stuff I'm not gonna use right. uh, in a telecast or in a game, but it's there, and so it gives me confidence, and it, you know it's always in the back of my mind if I need it for reference.
0: Hello, and welcome back. I hope everyone is enjoying the interview. A few takeaways I've had so far from talking with Julie is how important it is to be a leader, both on and off the field, what it's like being one of the first in a sport, and how people are paving the way for the next generation of females like Julie is, and how crucial it is to instill in young girls today how amazing and capable they are of accomplishing anything that they put their minds to. So, without further ado, let's go back to the episode. Okay, now on to my favorite part, my favorite five questions. All righty, let's go. What was your favorite Olympic or pro soccer memory and why? Mm-hmm. A
1: favorite Olympic memory? Uh, I think it would have to be my last Olympic. Mm-hmm. in um, 2004 we're playing a really good brazil team in the final i knew i was retiring after this mia was retiring joy Fawcett, another veteran uh was retiring and i was like okay
0: if we don't win
1: this i'm gonna be a crabby person for the rest of my life (laughs) and so i said to my husband you better hope that we win this we barely beat brazil in the gold medal match and it was off the abby wambach header in the 112th minute wow. and, and win the game and i was like oh, thank you <laughs> so that was probably because it was my last olympics i got to go out on a high note that was probably my favorite
0: memory can't end much better than that
1: Oh the best i was like thank you You've
0: <laughs>
1: been so unbearable
0: okay i know going back a little bit longer but what was your favorite school subject and why
1: oh i mean outside of p.e um <laughs> you know i loved biology and i loved really like organic chem because wow it was so <laughs> fascinating to me um just learning about the body which is why i went in almost to medical school um, Mm -hmm. to be a doctor. I'm fascinated by just the workings of the human body. It's so intriguing when you start to, even down to a molecular level, it's really fascinating on how it just constantly adjusts and adapts to things. And So um, I think that was probably my favorite subject was biology,
0: weirdly enough. Mm, Okay, that's interesting. I like that. Okay, what would you tell the younger version of Julie Fowdy? Oh,
1: gosh. I don't know if I could say that and be clean on your podcast, Anna. Uh, (laughs) I would say that you don't need to wear the padded bra. It's going to be okay. Your chest is flat. It's fine. Um, And I would also say that... um, your hair will not grow up if you grow it long i was convinced i had short hair so i looked like a little boy growing up all Mm -hmm. the time like i was horrified because they'd always say um young 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 boy when they'd ask me a question in like a grocery store or something i'd be like "Nah, i'm a i'm a girl but i was convinced my hair would grow up it was Mm -hmm. so thick rather than down so (laughs) if i grew it longer so um that my short hair to grow actually normally i would tell myself don't be
0: afraid <laughs> that's good okay if you could plan your ideal day how would you spend it
1: oh, one. um i would play beach volleyball for an hour and a half in the morning which is what i sometimes do about once a week because mm-hmm. uh, i live near the beach that's my new my new obsession uh and then i would Come back and have a huge breakfast <laughs> with yummy coffee. Mm. Um, I do a little bit of work because I do want to be productive. <laughs> uh, or actually, let's say this is a weekend. So no.
0: It's your it's, ideal day. You don't have to do any yeah, work. I
1: don't have to do work. Uh, I do something fun with the kids. We go on like a hike or something fun outside. Um, getting them to hike nowadays is a little more challenging because they're like, yeah, mom, let's do something else. Or bike ride or go to the beach mm-hmm. or anything. We go outside. Uh, and then a great meal at home that my husband cooks for me. And then uh, a movie or a show or a game. All these things we were doing in quarantine, which were sure be super fun um close out the night.
0: Or seeing
1: friends again. What would that be? Oh, fun? that'd be yeah. good. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, or a little pickleball in the afternoon before dinner. Be oh, a- that's
0: a good idea. You could do some on the beach or something. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm into pickleball as well. I am I am that fifty year old, Anna. <laughs>
0: I think a lot of people have been getting into pickleball recently.
1: I know. I used to think it was just for older people. And then you start playing it and you're like, oh, wait, no. That's the really cool thing about it, actually. There's like young kids out there Mm -hmm. like old people. It's all these different generations. And all their age here in my little town in Southern Cal. So it's hard to get a court, but it's so much fun.
0: Did you have a favorite movie you've watched in quarantine with your family that you would watch on your ideal day?
1: we went back to all the like old classics like tommy boy austin powers so mm-hmm. the kids actually really liked austin powers which made me very happy because I that's
0: am good a, austin
1: powers freak. Uh, i used to love that when i was younger with the national team um but we went through like a james bond uh, you know spy investigative <laughs> we did every single james you know born movie Jason, no, what's it? Jason Bourne? Yeah, Jason yeah. Bourne. He did all of them. Vaughn. Oh. That was, that, was our, that was our
0: quarantine. Mm, that's so, good. You got them all down there. <laughs> okay, last but not least, if people described you in one word, what would it be?
1: Oh. If they describe me in one word, what would it be? is this what i think they would describe me or what i would hope they would describe
0: me (laughs) could be both uh
1: my kids call me crazy and i say thank god who wants to be normal (laughs) like the day you start calling me normal i'm going to be worried (laughs) crazy (laughs) um i i would hope they would describe me as joyful you know, I think, um, I think I've been, uh, super blessed with a good life and great kids mm-hmm. and great family and friends. And so, um, I have a lot of gratitude for things in my life and I think that shines through with things I do. So, um, I would hope that they would see that and consider me a source of joy and happiness and, and light and. Um and and someone who's passionate, right? About things. That's what I would hope. I think they'd probably just call me
0: crazy. Hey, crazy's better than normal.
1: Right. Always is, always will be. A good crazy.
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely a good crazy. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, thank you all for listening. Definitely listen to Julie Fowdy's Laughter Permitted Podcast. Download, subscribe, hit it up. Wait, Anna. Tell
1: me the name of this podcast again. Since it's so new. It was stand.
0: It's called the Speak Up Sports Podcast.
1: Speak Up Sports Podcast. Boom, sister. You're doing it. You're speaking up. I love it.